0: Welcome to The Catch-Up Podcast, where Christian friends come together to catch up and explore God-centered conversations. Our goal is to inspire, share stories, and deepen our faith in light of the gospel. Without further ado, let's journey together in this week's episode of The Catch-Up Podcast.
1: All right, well, how's it going, guys? Um, Welcome to The Catch-Up Podcast. I am your host, Mark Artias, and I'm here with my co-host. Joseph Tao. And today, oh, uh, in, in this, well, kind of a controversial, I don't, I don't want to say controversial, but kind yeah. of like, I would say sensitive episode. Yep. Um, we know that we are not <laughs> qualified enough to talk about this kind of stuff because I know for a fact, I, you know, uh, again, I'm not qualified, um, but we had someone that came over uh, to the podcast and he just randomly just entered the room and <laughs> he just walked in. And there was you know, no. was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> He forcibly sat himself down with his exactly. own mic. Exactly. Was- <laughs> and his name is Mac Buchanan. Hey Mac, how you doing? Doing well. How about you guys? Good. I'm doing good. We're 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 okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Adjusting, (laughs) adjusting to the end of the week, basically. But um, so Mac, before we get started, uh, can you tell us a little something about yourself?
2: Yeah. Well, my name is Mac Buchanan. I am the college director at Redeemer Christian Church, and I have served in a variety of roles. I have served as a hospital chaplain. I have served in a capacity on a Texas Panhandle Suicide Prevention Coalition. I've been, mm. I have participated in uh, perspectives on the World Christian Movement, Church Planting Movement, uh, the Redeemer Network. I, I, I've been involved in a variety of things to which I have access to people who need help
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: because that's fundamentally at nearly every level what ministry is. And so I, I have found it throughout my life and my career incredibly prudent and incredibly like increasingly important in terms of college ministry, uh, to be well educated on mental health, to be mm. well rounded. And so I, I have a variety of education, uh, masters in biblical and theological studies, some some science background, a couple of biology degrees. And so I all of my expertise in this comes mostly from life on life experience and a few little certifications
1: here and there. Mm, okay. That's nice. Do you have anything to what, ask, Joe? Uh,
0: know? man, I I would say like what like where have you kind of seen yourself like in the past uh, past past year or two? Just like in young adults ministry and like the people we've been able to minister to and like uh, people we've gotten to talk to.
2: Uh, I mean, more often than not, it just looks like meeting people where they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which in the modern era means going to where people are, since people. Are significantly more prone to stay in their rooms, yeah. significantly more prone to not leave their social circles, to not uh, expand beyond their known means. Hmm. Uh, th- there is a lot of stagnation, a lot of it, like insular. Uh, used to would have been called introverted behavior, but it it's not even a really beneficial term because of how. Hyperconnectivity has mm-hmm. changed our relationships oh, yes.
1: big time. Thank you, it, thanks to TikTok, by yeah. the yeah.
2: way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, but no, I, I. It looks like going where people are and bringing the gospel to where people are and bringing help to where people are. That that's really what college ministry has looked like, and it's taken a, every form from uh, visits to the the pavilion, the local yeah. mental health hospital, to going into people's dorms. Uh, Try to during the day, but sometimes it's a two AM call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because mm. that—that's what ministry looks like. It, it, it is a vast variety of uh, of locales, scenarios, lots of coffee, though. L- oh. Lots of coffee through and through. Does it affect your mental health as well? Oh, sorry, Having too so much man. coffee. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, my, my addiction runs deep.
3: It's, oh. <laughs> it's just
0: choices, Mac. It's just choices. It's
1: not. <laughs> speaking I can quit whenever I want. Okay, exactly. <laughs> man. Yeah. So speaking of that, I suppose, speaking of like mental, you know, like, you know, doing ministry for young adults, like how often are you confronted with like. Just, you know, young adults in general struggling with depression, anxiety, mental health in general. Like, mm. how how does that reality of maybe some young adults walk um, it up to you, being honest about the struggle, um, change your perspective about ministry in general? I mean, it's a
2: daily thing in, in young adult ministry, particularly when you're working with iGen, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, what, whatever you want to call the, mm-hmm. the, the current young adult generations. Um... It's a daily reality. Depression and anxiety are just kind of the air that is breathed, whether actively or in a participatory manner, which I suppose we can talk about in a little bit. Mm. there, There is a lot of kind of – not to use a offensive caricature for comparison, but there's a lot of like mental health blackface that happens with Gen Z. There, there is a lot of I put on depression and anxiety. Depression and anxiety are a, a secondary identity, which I have assumed. And so there, there's the actual reality of the increased rates of depression and anxiety in young adults, largely due to to hyperconnectivity, depression, anxiety, growing up in a world where the ice caps are melting, World War III is going to happen <laughs> any day and it's all your fault. <laughs> like, it, it, There's a legitimate increase in depression and anxiety. Mm. But there's also a secondary inflation caused by a whole lot of... Oh, I saw somebody talking about three things on TikTok that described ADHD, mm. therefore I have ADHD and depression and anxiety and mm. that, that's probably 90% of the people I interact with would claim those three things. Yeah. So, sussing out the actual reality there, that's a whole nother aspect.
0: Hmm. So you're, you're, you're really saying, are you saying that like, there's a lot of people in generation, they're making that their like identity, like everything, like who who they are, like what they talk, talk about, like how they interact with people and they're, they're limiting themselves to those, those labels that they've put on themselves, even though that's not like truly how, how they feel like who they are.
2: Yeah. And and I, I think the, the issue is once again, here to, to break it down again, that there, there is a subset of that demographic that don't know better, yeah, because they don't have a holistic worldview. They don't have a view of what makes a person a person. Why we exist. They don't. Mm. They don't have an actual cause for being. Mm. And so, mental health is presented to many people as a viable cause for being. If your cause for being is to be happy, and depression is the enemy to that, uh, you, you see a lot of the. To to be connected is a, a cause for existing, and anxiety is an obstacle to that. You'll see that presented as the the ultimate cause for people. But there's also another section of society which has embraced self diagnoses, a, mm. a kind of hyper web MD culture that has sped up th- due to things like TikTok. Mm-hmm. Due to, I, I'm going to keep saying TikTok. Uh, like <laughs> I, I I don't mean to just be that boomer that's like oh that dang TikTok, <laughs> but but it really it. it Every single time it's like a Scooby-Doo villain, you pull back, what's causing this crisis in society? It's <laughs> it's usually TikTok.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the number one enemy. <laughs>
2: it is. And every once in a
1: while, we point over and we're like, we haven't forgot you, YouTube. We know YouTube, too. <laughs> you're one of them. <laughs> so are you saying, well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, are you saying that social media has something to do with, Majority of not just young adults, but majority of people's mental health is that what is that what you're saying? Hey, it can't be divorced at
2: all from the conversation mm. ever. Mm. If you are part of social media in any way, whether an active participant or a secondary participant in social media, you are under the influence of the algorithms. You are seeing things yep, which are yep. affecting you. You are being discipled, to use a Christian term here, mm. by the, the machine <laughs> to, to feel a thing, to think yeah. a way. And we cannot get away from the aesthetic effect, the, the, the effect of just being in the presence mm. of, of such a thing. And so I, I, I'm not saying it's the only thing. It's more often than not actually even the primary thing. It's usually just the catalyzing thing yeah. in most of these scenarios. Like, for example, isolation is a much bigger source of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are people doing when they isolate? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it, it is it's the catalyzing factor, it, it, it's a symptom of a bigger disease here or a worsening factor of the the greater disease here but it is not itself the the disease although it is a bit of a plague
0: mm. Mm. i see so like when, when you've seen like these issues, like, like there's uh social media, which by, I, I like how you said like the, the algorithm, like the beat, cause it is like, it, it's not, it's not something like the newspaper or like a book. It doesn't just stay what it is. It changes to what you're, yeah. what it fe- it feeds off your insecurities on everything. It's its own animal. And so it, it leads you down these paths you otherwise wouldn't go. Um, but, uh, but like with, uh, with young, young, young adults nowadays, um, with these, uh, with these mental, mental health issues. And like you said, isolation, these symptoms, um, uh, when, as a, as somebody in ministry, when you have had young adults come up to you, like showing these symptoms and these things, how do you feel like the, how do you feel like the church as a whole has kind of maybe some good and some bad ways that they've approached, mm. approached those symptoms?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the realest questions right now. And it really like you, you open up any, scholarly journal you open up any large-scale christian publication you'll see an article talking Mm -hmm. about this on there uh it, it has gone every which way in terms of answering in that's because churches have answered about every possible way you can. Mm. You, you've got your rah rah, that's all demons people on one side. You've got your you're faking it people over here. You've got <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, you you've got
2: your oh poor sweet summer child, let me coddle you people over oh, here. Yeah. Like you, you've got every possible answer under the sun. In, in it's almost a grab bag of which, which who's choosing what in a way. Oh yeah. You, you see things like the, the more liberalized, highly, highly influenced by culture churches certainly would take an approach of like whatever culture is saying, we're going to do that. Mm. Uh, they, they, they have embraced a wellness culture model, mm. uh, hyper-diagnosis driven, hyper-medical
1: model. Uh, can you give us a? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No. But like, can you give us like a picture of like what that what does that wellness culture look like?
2: Yeah, so wellness culture is hard to pin down, but the, the the general shtick is it is the the worldview which occupies the place of another worldview in the form of mental health. Uh, hmm. a, a way of saying that would be it is the I am my diagnoses uh, worldview. I am. My very, I am my trauma. I am my. Which, to an extent, yes. Your 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 trauma is a, a scar on your brain. We 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 are aware of this fact. Mm-hmm. Yes, your depression is an imbalance, but it, it is taken apart and made it the whole. Mm-hmm. And, and wellness culture has been, uh, quite honestly, uh, not to sound conspiratorial, a large scale societal effort to weaponize that worldview to yeah. to use that as a product to sell. Uh, notice how many more better help ads you get nowadays. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you you notice how how often things like depression and anxiety end up in a, a more uh consumerist model. How there's a lot more fidget toys, there's a lot more happiness oh, products, yeah. there's a lot more self-care talk. Mm. Uh the, the the treat yourself thing with parks and rec <laughs> fifteen years ago was a joke, but now it's an actual mass-marketed model. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and so wellness culture is is that big nebulous mm. beast there. And there are some churches that embraced it. There are churches who have entirely capitalized now on ministries that are bent towards mental health. Mm. Uh, there, I know several churches in town who their entire thing is, hey, we're not like the others. We don't stigmatize this. Please come talk. They have, they have mental health wellness groups. And, mm. and in a lot of cases, things like that are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it... it If it is at the loss of the actual mission of the church and actual discipleship and other things which the church is called to, as it often is, it's a problem there. Mm. But I'd say we also see the old school, I mean, we live in West Texas. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot more of a, we gotta get this agenda out of our kids' brains Mm. kind of a mindset. Just outright rejection. It's just just left wing propaganda. Or, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm struggling <laughs> to <the> characterize
0: this. <laughs> yes. Well, and just call, calling it Satan and sweeping swoop, under the rug. Oh, yeah. and just calling it a day. Just oh calling.
2: yeah. In certainly in in the there are some. There is a conversation to be had about the spiritual reality of mental health.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is a conversation to be had about the powers and principalities. But I, I would say wellness culture looks a lot more like the biblical model than I've got a demon making me depressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, 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 if, if we're actually looking at large scale mm-hmm. effects of culture being swayed in the way
1: like a nation of Israel was. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: So how how would you? differentiate spiritual warfare from like an actual mental illness or those two are like synonymous and they're like, they can't be, you know, divorced from one another. Yeah. You know that, uh, that, that is a tough question.
2: Um, uh, it, it, it kind of comes down to like, where do we draw the line between mm-hmm. physical and spiritual realities? Right. And, uh, the answer is most, like some as much as Christians hate to hear this scripture kind of doesn't sometimes it does. And it doesn't at the same time, Mm. it it very clearly differentiates that there is a a spiritual component and a physical component to reality. Mm. But when it comes to things like, like sin, like demonic influence, like justification being applied to us at salvation, sanctification being applied to us through our lives synergistically as Protestants would profess things like that, there, there is just not a huge, like, oh, this is the physical part and this is the spiritual part. Hmm. Scripture doesn't take those lines on those things because they, they seldom work that way. Yeah. And that's not to say we shouldn't at times differentiate, particularly, I would say, in our prayer life we, mm-hmm. you, because you... What, what are you going to do? Like take Adderall to get rid of the ADHD demon? Like,
3: <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> like there, there is only really one thing that we can do to effectively deal with a spiritual reality and that's contend to the higher power to whom, f- who is sovereign over the spiritual mm. kingdom. Like we, we can't affect that to some extent. Uh, we, we, we are called to, to actively seek the good of, Others uh, oftentimes praying against powers and principalities, but when it comes to things like mental health and the the mind, the loving the Lord your God with all your mind. Once we get to that component of Scripture, it, it blends spiritual and in physical and emotional actions all the time.
0: <laughs> they, so they they work hand. You're saying like they kind of more, more it works it works hand hand in hand. Yeah, and it's uh...
2: yeah to an extent. I I don't think it is. I don't think Scripture really gives us a place where we can divide them. Mm-hmm. Is more what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when we look at something, and this has actually been the historic Christian per,
1: perception. I don't know if y'all have ever uh,
2: listened to Martin Lloyd Jones.
1: I've read some of his, uh, um, right. well, not articles, but some of his um, stuff online.
2: Yeah, he. So Martin Lloyd Jones, along with Charles Spurgeon and J.I. Packer, yeah. three three fairly famous. Uh, Theologians. E- evangelical, theologian, mm-hmm. pastor, teachers, all spoke a lot about depression, uh, particularly in their three cases because they struggled with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and each of them very much reflect their times to an extent, but in, in a contrary sense, they were very progressive.
3: Yeah.
2: Spurgeon speaking in, in the 19th century on... Depression and anxiety as an actual part of the life uh, of the Christian life was not something very commonly found. Hmm. or if it was, it was often treated as a uh, a vice as a, a a thing which you have put upon yourself, whereas he sought it as no, it, it's just a thing, a thorn in my side, hmm. which I bear yeah. <laughs> and, and, but I brought up Martin Lloyd Jones to say uh, when he would speak on it often he he would speak on it in terms of a, a spiritual depression. Brought about in his mind <laughs> mm. that it it was it was his soul, it was his spirit, longing for heaven, longing for wow. what he was was to be, but was not yet. It, it, and he, I think he kind of hit the nail on the head when he would talk about Dang. it that way. Interesting, because he would express it that it is my mind where I'm experiencing this. It does have a spiritual cause that spiritual cause meets me in reality mm. <laughs> in it, it's a part of my actual physical life here yeah. that in which i have not yet been resurrected in a glorified body where i'll never sin and be tempted in the future it, it is it, it is the gap between the two
1: it is yeah. the already but not yet mm-hmm. but applied to the mind in a way yeah can you tell us something about that the already not yet um from a Christian worldview. And cuz unlike some of our listeners are probably not familiar with that, so can you explain what that is, please?
2: Yeah, so the 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 term was coined uh, nobody really knows who, for sure who coined it, but George Eldon Ladd, a theologian in the mid 20th century was the one who's really credited with it. And it's the idea that Christ has come and Christ is coming again. That the the gospel Marked the end of Satan's sin and death. It marked the end of evil. It marked the beginning of new creation. Jesus said, "Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand." Mm. Yet we also live in a state in which the kingdom of God is not much felt. <laughs> mm, yeah, the, the the world is broken. There is sin. We we are anxious. We are broken. There is a longing. The saints are saying, "How long, O Lord? How long until you come?" So so we kind of live in between the the tension of the two final notes of history. The The symphony has begun to conclude, but it has not yet struck that final note when Jesus returns. Mm -hmm. The already but not yet is kind of the where are we now Mm -hmm. in between the resurrection, the ascension, and the final return of Jesus. And and so it's a broad category of thought, but what it is trying to nail down is how how is there still sin if Jesus has defeated sin? How is Mm -hmm. there still death if Jesus has defeated death? How is there? How do we view the past and the future in a way present with us at Mm -hmm. this moment? Yeah. Uh,
1: So, what what role, like, with that in mind? Because I mean, for us Christians, you know, it's it's easy. Well, it's not easy. I don't. I don't. I don't want to say the word easy, but kind of like, there's a hope for us. You know, Mm we have something to look look forward to. So, what 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 role does that truth play in the context of like our mental well being?
2: Yeah, I mean, for Christians, the "this too shall pass." <laughs> mm-hmm. For Christians, we we live in a a, a consummate kingdom in which we have an assurance of these things to come to be a, a new a new eternal life in which there is no more tears, no more sadness, no more brokenness, no more death, an assurance of being found in Christ. Uh, it comes with the the blessing, the benefit of being God's covenant people, and as Christians, we we rest on a hundred percent assurance of that because it's not on us; it's on Jesus, mm-hmm. and Jesus has already sealed the deal. Yeah. Uh, his resurrection accomplished once and for all what we never could have. In <laughs> In as much as he was faithful to do so, in as much as he was faithful in life, faithful in death, faithful in resurrection, faithful in ascension and sending his spirit, mm. it, he's kept every promise he's ever made. So we know he'll keep the last one too.
0: <laughs> That's good. Mm.
2: And, and so for us, our, our comfort comes then from not the power of our faith, but the object of it. Amen. Uh, R.C. Sproul, famous pastor, theologian, also had this analogy of. Two men wanting to get on a plane, and uh, they they were both incredibly incredibly fearful uh, of this plane. They they what if it crashed? What mm-hmm. if it burned? What if it what what if it failed? Um, and the other man was was content, happy. He slept the whole flight. Both of them got on the flight. Both of them flew. The uh, he asked the question, "Who has the greater faith?" Well, Sproul's answer would be neither, because it's not really, at the end of the day, the strength of the faith to get on the plane, it, it, it's will the plane actually fly?
3: Mm,
2: yeah. <laughs> and in our case, is Christ sufficient for our salvation, for our peace, for our joy? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, he is. And if he is, it's not about us. It's about him. It's about what he's done. It's about will he ever
1: fail? No. He never mm-hmm. has and he never will. Yeah. Amen. George, sure, do you have any that's question about that? No, 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 no. So like, um, so w- 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 with that in, oh, I'm sorry.
0: No, no, you're good. No, go ahead. No, 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 I, I wasn't going to say. Okay,
1: that. Uh, w- with that in mind, because like, you know, like some people, um, even some Christian denominations, they have like a, you know, um, they will say like, yeah, that's true, but like, you know, like God wants, you know, God wants to heal you, but, you know, but. It's just because you don't have enough faith, and you know he said something about like you know like, it's not about the amount of our faith, but it's the object of that. What would you say to those people who have been hurt by you know those phrases and have been belittled because of their mental illness as a mm. Christian? Because some people would like uh, you know like you know in, in Christian community they would be you know confronted with the reality like yeah I am not okay, and mm. then you know uh, and then they would be, like offering them help nonstop, and then. Um, later down the road, when they're asked again, reevaluated again, when they ask like, are you doing better? Or like, and then people will say, yeah, well, I'm still there. Like, I'm still struggling with my mental illness. And people will like take that as a, well, maybe you just don't, you know, like, why? Like, maybe you're not, you know, maybe you done something wrong, you know, or like, maybe you're not Christian enough, you know, because like God will heal you if you just have faith you know what would you say to those people who have been hurt by those situations <laughs> i have a lot to say there um
2: for one thing it was it was faith which broke jacob's hip <laughs> it, it it was faith with in god and trusting in him and actually in actually leaning upon the promises of god in many ways which which brought about the, the martyrdom of not only the the prophets but the apostles mm-hmm. Like, leaning into faith is not a promise of worldly prosperity. It is a promise of eternal life. Mm. It, it is a promise of resurrection and eternal satisfaction. Uh, joy and happiness, in that sense, are not always the same thing.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, the, the, the feelings are often very fleeting. We, we would look to a Paul, for example, in... in First Corinthians twelve talking about like the the thorn in his flesh. We we see him referring to similar ideas in something like Philippians, where he he's talking about his struggles, his his pain. He he legitimately says in Philippians 1, like, I kinda wish I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> like it would be better, better. for me mm-hmm. if I were dead. But it's better for y'all that I'm here now. Yeah. And so like that that idea of Prosperity, that idea of, oh, just because you have faith, you, you should experience all of the happiness of eternity now is just a misunderstanding of what the gospel offers for one thing.
3: Hmm.
2: It's also a very, very, I, I, I don't want to call it selfish, <laughs> uh, but I, I, every time I've ever seen it practiced, it is a selfish doctrine. What do you mean by that, like selfish doctrine? It is the idea of wanting wanting from God what God has not offered because we value our comfort, we value our security, mm. we value our our happiness, our pleasure more than we value God Himself. Huh. Um, And I've even heard that weaponized against – I've actually had that weaponized against me in terms of like, oh, the reason why you're in mental anguish is because you are not satisfied enough in God. Like this isn't just a prosperity gospel uh-huh. thing. This is a thing we would find even in our own camp. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we, we would find sloppy, reckless, and even sometimes malicious teachers mm-hmm. in evangelicalism teaching harmful no, it, it is on you.
3: <laughs>
2: mm. uh, kind of reality here. In, I I would say, for y'all both know, uh, but I'm assuming not every listener knows. I live with chronic pain every day, D- extreme physical pain due due to a series of medical issues in my spine. That's only going to get worse. <laughs> mm. And one of the things that has stuck out to me, the more I have experienced this, is how many times the Psalms mention pain in bones.
3: Hmm.
2: I found so many times already that I have never, it never jumped out to me until my, my spine began to collapse. Wow. How many times we see something like Psalm 102 saying, my bones burn within me.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you realize the, the, that worship is often... Pain taken to god yeah it it is often dissatisfaction brought to God, it is often our our discomforts brought to God. It is not always God bringing satisfaction to us
3: mm-hmm.
2: now that's offered there are times when that miraculously happens and praise god, but i I, I will tell you this in my Hospital chaplaincy. I saw a lot more opportunities to preach the gospel to the grieving mm. than I did those who were hopeful. I, I saw very few miracles. I saw very few. I, I never saw a dead baby brought back to life. I only saw grieving mm. parents, and yet the gospel was more real to them than than it ever had been before. Because what it is is it is a hope. It is an, it is a life which extends beyond this one. Mm. Uh, does that kind of answer your question? I know I kind of shot at a couple things there. No,
1: yeah, yeah, because again, like we we're talking about, you know, just what would we, we say to people who've been hurt by that? And you know, um, you you referred to something about like, you know, like how most people they put the blame on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love how like you also said at the be- very beginning that our mental illness for the most part is just an effect of our broken of our broken world. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it's something that, um, and, and again, I am not dissing on other Christians who who wants to see our generation today to be freed from depression and, yeah, and anxiety. I do too. <laughs> yes, same. I mean, if there's a way, I mean, like, yes, we want it now. But, like, the thing is, is, like, as long as, like, God hasn't redeemed our creation yet. It's not going to happen until the renewal of all things, and but that's yeah. the hope that we look forward to. Amen. You know, like our, our, our sufferings, our mental illness—they're not in vain. You mm. know, that's why uh, it's a good thing. Because uh, um, last last week our episode was rest: how to find rest, mm-hmm. and 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 Jesus um give us basically like you know sabbath to to look to God's goodness to look to God's work and and and, and what we do right now as modern, as Christians today you know we go to Sundays and we do that you know, yeah. we worship God. We remember what God has done, while at the same time we look forward to the future hope mm. of 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 reconciliation and and God renewing all things. And that that's what Sabbath offers. And I feel like with with this, in light of this topic as well, it's like that's that's what we get to do. You know, as Christians, you yes. know, is that you know, like maybe it's not going to happen anytime by now. Like maybe it's not going to happen in a year, or maybe it's never going to happen in this side of eternity at all. But it's gonna happen. It's gonna come. The oh, yeah. healing, the, the the you know, when when Jesus said that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Like that's something I look forward to. As a matter of fact, I'm actually creating i l I'm making a lesson about that um this Sunday for Redeemer Kids. Oh, really? And uh yeah, and um, I'm gonna I'm going to tell them about like, you know, how um like you know, we remember in, in Advent we remember that Jesus already came and saved us from our sins. but at mm. the same time, we look forward to the future hope that Jesus will come to us and he will touch our face and will wipe every tear from our eyes and says, it's going to be okay now. And that when I was reading that, I was practicing that I was crying because I'm like, God, please. Yes. <laughs> I want that. I want that right now. I want to be with you now. Like, but you know, um, some people need to hear more about this hope and uh, do you have anything to add to that, Joe?
0: Man, I think ju- just that, um, you know, by, by looking to that, that future and that, that hope, it, it sets set your eyes on like, again, like what's, what's really, really important, you know, and to, to some of the things like you had said earlier, like of that, uh, that that guy was saying like it's like that what what we're dealing with now is because our our spirit like it do, it doesn't want to stay 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 here there's that anguish with, within us that mm-hmm. wants to be our yeah. our tr- at our true home we're we're our our place here like we are aliens to to this world truly like our our home is our home is in heaven with the mm-hmm. lord um but but, um, but with that uh but with that process it's it's a you know the lord it, constantly when he brings trials to you it's it's a uh, it's he does it uh, like in sanctification, so that you may look, look towards Him and truly see Him, so that mm-hmm. you know that, that that is what I really want. That is my true true desire. Yeah. And then once you look towards Him and look, and it brings your eyes off of your trouble, it will it will begin that healing pro- pro- process for mm-hmm. for that. You know, I see. and so it's a. I think it's a both like a. Looking towards the future of where you will be, but also looking towards the future of where you will be brings for, uh, forth the truth of what is now. Yeah. And so of what the That's Lord good. has done. Yeah.
2: No, I – You pulled I, up a verse. I have verse. <laughs> yes, sir. No, I – like in general, there's very little difference biologically between the the autoimmune problems that are causing my bones to fuse together and to break. And the the chemical problems which are causing a, a depressive episode. Mm. Like they there it is literally just a rearrangement of amino acids, of proteins at at, at the end oh. of the day. They are effectively the same kind of physical brokenness. And so to to look at it that way and to understand that like when we experience depression, when we experience anxiety. Yes, there might be some social causes. Yes, there's some some spiritual causes. But at the end of the day, this is this is the thorns and thistles. This mm-hmm. is this yeah. is the sweat of the brow. This is the brokenness that we all experience in our bodies. And if you don't experience it, just wait—you'll get old. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm just now getting to that point of like, oh, my knees. <laughs> I, 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 my my hair is falling out. I'm like, wow, I get it now. <laughs> and it, once you start to start to experience that pain, there's something where like the end of the road becomes something very real, something powerful and to Christians, life-giving. Yeah. In, in the text that I, I go to a lot for comfort uh, because of my pain, because of my anxiety is actually Second Corinthians. Uh, the latter, the, the whole of chapters 4 and 5 are, are incredibly meaningful here. But I'm going to read this part from the end of chapter 4 where he says, so we do not lose heart Though our outer self is wasting away, Mm. our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And I love this idea. One of my favorite things to point out to Paul is... About Paul is that these light, momentary afflictions were literally being stoned almost mm-hmm. to death, yeah. were being thrown out of his hometown, were and flogged, s- starving, <sighs> being bitten by snakes, being burned, shipwrecked, beaten, and then eventually beheaded. Mm-hmm. These light, momentary afflictions, you know, like we all have,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. just just every day, you yeah, know, just... just
2: just your everyday flogging. <laughs> 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 and so, like Paul wasn't. Paul wasn't lollygagging. He wasn't just no. playing around here when mm. he was saying this. What he's saying is, no, this compared to what we experience in gospel
0: hope, mm. it's That's nothing. Yeah, it's, it's good.
2: Nothing. In fact, it's so thoroughly nothing that all that it is, is a couple more plates stacked on the bar to get you even more pumped for eternity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, which is a, That's good. a uniquely Christian view of suffering. Hmm. Uh, It's a uniquely Christian view of mental and physical anguish because when we look at it, we say, "Ah, I get to hope more in Jesus.
0: Mm. That's good. I I
2: get to hope more in the gospel. I get to hope more in the resurrection. I get to hope more in the power of the spirit to either, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would say, deliver me from this Mm. or by my martyrdom, make the point nonetheless. Mm. Either way, I win. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. For me to suffer is to become stronger and more hopeful. And for me to die is to experience the fullness of all the benefits now.
3: it's good.
2: Mm. It, 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 we have a unique hope in the gospel.
3: Yeah.
2: It, and that's ultimately the thing that something like a wellness culture or, you know, every other worldview except Christianity mm. lacks is a hope which hijacks everything, invades everything.
0: That's what's so sad is when you, when you look at these, like, you know, here if, if inspirational quotes of like from any other figure that from any like historical figure that did not believe in God, it's like, no, I don't care what they, what they said. There's their points hollowed. There's nothing, there's yeah. nothing in it. There's no hope in it. There's no God. There's no yeah. true God in
2: it. It's true for us yeah. in some oh, cases. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but yeah, oh God, yeah. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's hard and it's hard to, Open up the eyes of you know nonbelievers and and others and even believers too that there that there is that hope yeah. you know and that yeah. truth
2: yeah but, and and believers are prone to the same forgetfulness oh like, absolutely, like that that's the thing that i I also would like to incredibly strengthen anybody who is listening and has drooping knees and bent <laughs> heads. uh Scripture talks about us a lot, we forget. Mm. Uh, Have y'all ever heard of Israel, (laughs) the chosen people of God? They literally saw a pillar of fire, Mm. walked through a giant split Mm. ocean, watched an army drown, sang a song and then forgot.
3: Man, like, it, oh god,
2: it, it, we we are so prone to forget, and then you read the everything after that, and it's like God did great thing. Israel grumbled <laughs> <laughs> and repeat, yes. <laughs> and guess who? Guess who our stand in in this story is? The people who grumbled. <laughs> mm. And so, as we are prone to forget, as we are prone to to say, "Oh yeah, I forgot about the gospel news," yeah. it, it becomes all the more imperative not only that we participate in. Personal rhythms of gospel remembrance, time in the Word, particularly prayer. I would emphasize in this case, Mm. but all the more important that we participate in corporate. Thank you. Rhythms. Yes, Amen. We need people to remind us because if you forgot and you're approaching the Bible with your forgetfulness, sometimes but the Bible will jump out to you and remind you. But there are times when you're you're in your middle of Deuteronomy and you still, you leave the Bible still forgetting your gospel hope. And so you need that. That is good. That is, that is the savings account for later in your righteousness and in your formation. The Bible never, ever, ever is meaningless. But when it comes to our our despair, our anguish, our suffering, our pain, our depression, our anxiety, we need other people, other believers, Mm. preaching the gospel to us, washing us, cleansing us, upholding us, strengthening us. Mm -hmm. My point in case is basically everything Paul wrote <laughs>
1: <It's, man. laughs> what would you say to okay so if that's the case then what would you say like again we're going back to the uh, the whole being hurt you know by 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 some other Christians um i um, labeling of you like oh you don't have enough faith what would you say to those like you know because yeah. some of them they might be afraid of going back to community because they might be expecting that that they would be mm. belittled so what yeah. would you tell that Christian like yeah being community you know,
2: I, I would say that very rare bad doctor that botches a surgery is not an excuse to not go back and get that wound fixed by a good doctor.
3: Mm,
2: amen. It, 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 the only solution to bad churches, to church hurt, as we often say in the panhandle, is good churches. Yeah. That that is a unique Aspect of our life that you you can't get on your own. You can't like seriously. There's not a spiritual discipline that you can like fully accomplish on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can be gentle to yourself, but that's not what that's talking about. Yeah, and in in the same way, to those who have been wounded by the church, the the only place that they're going to find healing is at a good church, a church that values the gospel, a church that preaches the good news, the life to come In, in. Thankfully, our area of the country is blessed with many of those. Mm. I would endorse many churches here. I, I, I think we have a strong kingdom mindset here. Uh, but I know that there are areas where that's a hard thing to encounter. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm from a small town. I remember you, you leave one church, there's two other options, <laughs> and, and <laughs> like that—that's a hard thing to deal with. Oh. If that church harms you, sometimes. The only place to encounter healing is either by confronting the people who harmed you or or proceeding into that church still with a spirit of reconciliation, a spirit to seek peace, confronting the person, but maybe still continuing to just participate in that community that hurt you. Yeah. And, And again, I would never ever say to an abusive wife you know what you need to do go back and like (laughs) just abused wife go back to your abuser and Mm. and and just keep going back and going back and going back Mm. if there is an actual chance of permanent damage Mm -hmm. if there is a chance of unreconcilable harm i i would always advise get away (laughs)
3: let
2: let let professionals step in and maybe that's what you need is an intermediary another church another believer to step in and Maybe call your pastor out. I don't know. It depends.
0: Well, and, and especially on the because there there are some extreme situations that can happen and swipe, uh, be swept under the rug. But I, I really it hurts my heart where when I hear people that, um, I think around, I think one of the most sensitive topics for people our age can just be rejection. Uh, and yeah. like, you know, and I think when, like when people, with people in the church, they can just be prone to leave, be like, oh, well this per this person rejected me there. So like, I'm, I'm just gonna, uh, gonna leave, you know, and it might've just been a simple friendship or what, whatnot. And I think in those it's like, no, like it's don't, don't just leave, don't just leave because, because of there, you know, yes. no, and, and you can, you can, you can press on there. There are situations to press on through that, but like you're saying, like there, there are some other situations where you need uh, somebody else to to step in
2: I mean Matthew 18 lays it out confront if you have sinned against a brother if a brother sinned against you confront them talk to them apologize to them approach them if they don't receive it go back with a friend Mm -hmm. and in that particular case the, the way our church would typically interpret that is go back with somebody who is either directly connected to that situation or if it is not somebody who is directly connected to that situation, take a leader,
3: Mm. take an
2: authority figure. Uh, In in that particular case, there are many times where I have sat in on intermediary situations on behalf of another. Because a sin was not solved when an initial conversation was had. That,
1: wow, that has to happen. Yeah.
2: A- and there there are many times where our senior leaders step in to help other senior leaders solve problems because sometimes it just gets messy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 it, it, it's tough. <laughs> Well, and confrontation is not easy, but you no. want to make it as like, I don't want to say professional, but like as we're, we're, a, we're a community and we want to stay a community. Yeah. And so we need to go about that as like the healthiest way, way pos- possible. Yeah. No,
2: I, I agree. And like one of the things that I would say, you, you said something really like important there, Joe, that, the, that rejection is a factor that we need to work around a lot oh, here. Yeah. Uh, there's a philosopher, very, very famous in, in the realm of Christian academia named Charles Taylor who wrote this massive monster of a book that that really, really, really smart people dance around and, and somewhat smart people like me read the people who danced around him because he's too hard to read. <laughs> and, 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 and as we engage like this this Taylor in philosophy, one of the things that he said in, in his book, The Secular Age, is that as the world becomes more secular... As it, it be, we begin to encounter a post-Christian, post-truth world that, using terms we would now use. Wow. He didn't. This was 40 years ago and he was near dead on prophetic. Dang. Uh, we will encounter a world that begins to dissolve virtue, begins to mm-hmm. dissolve vice, to which the only thing which he predicted, and I would argue rightfully, the only virtue that is left becomes Acceptance
3: mm.
2: becomes tolerance, becomes kindness. Oh, wow. That that do you accept my truth? Oh. Do you accept my perception of reality? Do you accept uh, Genesis two would say like Do you accept my godhood? <laughs> oh. um, to which the only vice then becomes rejection. Yeah. So rejection is a big deal in our culture because it pokes at our one big idol. <laughs> our, our, our our in. As much as people wanna say it's, it's self, it, yeah. it's more than that, it's, mm. it's autonomy, it's, it's my capacity to define what is right and wrong for me, my truth, my reality. It, and so rejection of any sort, conflict of any sort that bumps against that and says, maybe you're more than depression. Mm. Maybe you're more than mm. your sexuality. Mm. Maybe you're more than your political ideology. Suddenly becomes an affront to your entire worldview. Wow. wow. It, it becomes a highest tier issue immediately, Just, which is why everything feels so inflammatory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Where everything just blows out of com- like yeah. proportion dramatically. You,
2: because when I say you – like when I say to – I'll use the easy example. To somebody who is in the LGBT movement, when I say to them – you are more than your sexuality. I haven't just confronted their, their psychosexual worldview. Mm. I've confronted their entire world. Mm. I've confronted God. their God. Yeah. And, and so I have just challenged God in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's not like, as much as that is like, oh goodness, that is the desperate need we have for a, a greater arching meta-narrative for a, a something as big as the gospel to fill people's lives. Mm. It's an invitation to me as an evangelist mm-hmm. to say, you're more than that. And let me tell you why that's good.
0: Yeah. Dang. Well, and it's, it's so sad too how they're like every, every, a lot of uh, people's uh, habits and the things that they do and that they're passionate about. It's like, it's a, it's a component of Christianity. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's pointed towards the wrong, wrong thing. And Mm -hmm. so like, like where you're saying there, it's like, you just like from their perspective, you just attack their God. That's like David in his perspective. When he saw Goliath, he's like, he's, he's calling, he's calling my, my, my God, this and this, he's like, I'm not going to, I'm going to have that. I'm going to go, go down there and take care of this guy. And that's, how that's how we as Christians should should uh attack that situation, right? But like for so it's like for her like or I'm just say I heard him. But I'm, just, like, I'm just assuming automatically that it's it's that situation. Be careful sorry. what you say. Oh, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming gender, I'm sorry. Um the no, but the uh you know, but whoever like in that situation, it's like it's like that that thing that's within them to defend that God, it's good. It's just it's pointed towards the wrong thing and it's yeah. it's such a shame how the devil's Taken that from them mm. to worship something else when they could be worshiping the true true God.
2: Oh yeah. Now anybody who knows me knows that my my favorite teacher is James K A Smith, Mark Twain's missionary, particular theologian who hasn't really ever said anything super original. Mm but has articulated very, very well some of the oldest truths of the Christian faith, things Mm. which we have held dear and largely lost in the 20th century, Uh, particularly that we were made to have a highest good. Mm. We were made to have an ultimate, we were made to worship. He uses this this kind of pithy phrase at one point in his book, you are what you love, which is my Mm. highest recommended book of the day.
3: By
1: Joe,
2: by (laughs) By James K. (laughs) Smith, you are what you love, go read it. he uses this phrase we are existential sharks and he uses it to mean like we are constantly moving towards meaning hmm. we are constantly moving towards a highest good we hmm. don't have an off switch hmm. and arguably that that's exactly what like we would see from the momentum of scripture, it has this, this forward motion constantly to yeah. it because we were made to worship God. St. Augustine said, we were made to rest in you, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We, we need to be moving towards the highest good. We need to have a God. And if we don't have Yahweh, if we don't have Christ as God, then we need to put something there.
3: Mm.
2: family. Uh, my my mental health identity, my mm-hmm. my sexual orientation, and society is all too keen to put everything in there that it can. for For the less sophisticated, which are pretty rare, it's usually one thing: it's just my sexuality or mm-hmm. just my mental illness. But more often than not, we see in society today, it's a grab bag of those things. Oh, yeah. it, no, no, it's not God. It, it, it's you being who you are. Mm. It's you doing what makes you happy. And therefore the only virtue we can express is just don't be a jerk to other people which is just the lowest possible.
0: (laughs) It's like bottom tier. It's
2: it's an important thing, seriously, but Mm. I'm going to be mean to my kids if they're trying to run into the street. So it's not even a universal virtue. (laughs) I am going to say, stop, you're being stupid (laughs) (laughs) because I want them to live. I want them to flourish. Mm. And so it's just the stupidest philosophy to have as your only philosophy. (laughs) Mm.
1: That's good. That's good, man. Okay, yeah, do you have anything that did Joe?
0: Man, no, not a lot. I have. I have another question, but
1: if you, if you no, you can you can
0: go. No, no. I was gonna. I was gonna ask. So, like, I mean, so I kind of we've kind of we've touched base on a lot of topics. I kind of I kind of wanted to get into you know, like, let's say, let's say, somebody come, comes up to you, you know, young adult, um, you know, and they're strugg- struggling, you know, just typical, you know, depression or, yeah. or anything. What are what are what do you think are some good just first steps like they can they can take? Of I don't want to say like. Solving the issue because I don't want to like minimize yeah. it to that, but like
2: you, you don't solve a broken mm, bone. Yeah. You you can set it and it might heal on its own. But if it's broken enough, you might never heal it. Mm. And depression kind of works the same way. Like I people who struggle with chronic depression struggle with chronic depression usually for a lifetime. Oh, wow. Sp- Spurgeon did, uh, Van Gogh did. Like we, we, wow. we see we see many people live entire lifetimes with it as a, a shadowy companion. And so it varies oftentimes. I, I often, whenever I am approached by students, ask us a lot of questions.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I, I tend to start with like the the suicidality questions. That's very important to get out of the way up front. Have you thought about killing yourself? Have you thought about taking your life? Do you have a plan? Uh, have you taken steps towards this? In, in a quick, quick rundown, always use the word Suicide. When you're talking to somebody who might be suicidal, always talk directly about tangible things because we often want to soften those things when yeah. we're actively suicidal. Yeah. We, we want to say, I'm, I'm going to another place. I'm leaving. And that's a way of justifying it to ourselves. Yeah. So when you force that awkward, ugly word back into the conversation, you might be saving lives. Oh, yeah. So like that, it's important to be brushed up on this. And there's more. We can talk about that later or another time. For sure. But- when we start talking about depression and anxiety, I, I want to know what's going on in your life. I anxiety is a symptom; it's not a disease. It, the The generalized anxiety disorder is a whole bunch of symptoms flowing from something, it, usually some kind of major cognitive distortion, in, in which you you all or nothing, everything, you black or white all of reality. There, there's a very common behavior called catastrophizing. I see it a lot in young adults. I'm prone to it. Uh, you you know it. It's the, oh, I failed the test. I guess my life is over. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, uh, my girlfriend broke up with me. No one's ever going to love me again. It's the assumption of the h- worst possible reality. And we, we're all prone to this from time to time. People who are more prone to anxiety, if you're using a five-factor model, more prone to neuroticism, are prone to go there more often mm. be- because it's a learned pattern of thought usually. Mm. So anxiety is typically a symptom of some kind of developmental reality. Depression in its true sense is an actual diagnosable chemical imbalance in your brain uh now there are seasons of depression there are ep- there everyone is going to go through episodes especially young adults because your brain is like all right time to dump all those those toxic teenage hormones and <laughs> put on our grown up hormones and I- like honestly I think I'd rather lose my teeth again than go through that again dang (laughs) (laughs) because that that is is a miserable time in nearly everyone's life there's a reason like there's such a peak in mental health problems around your early 20s yeah and it's because your brain is going through final transitions to adulthood Ah. and so you get a lot of simulated depression a lot of like an episode of one to three months of depression a lot of people will go through especially women will go through several episodes Oftentimes,
0: do you? Uh, oh, sorry, I have a quick, quick question. Yeah, do on. do you think like a lot of people our age get mi- misdiagnosed as like bipolar because of st- stuff like that?
2: Well, actual bipolar diagnoses from good, like responsible uh, psychiatrists, mm-hmm. are rare. Uh the the, the mass diagnosis of bipolar is actually mostly self diagnosis. Oh, wow. Like I, I, I don't know the actual statistics, but it is a small portion of the population that actually has bipolar. Wow. Um now, that being said, having a manic episode hmm. uh, in young adulthood, particularly a simulated one off of something like a, a your brain transitioning through puberty, that's not outside the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are more misdiagnoses. Like one of the things I will say, just to be clear in case I, – I, not to bury the lead, I think many mental health – Professionals have become very irresponsible. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, I think people yeah. are very quick on the trigger to throw out diagnoses and way too quick on the trigger to throw medication oh, at things. Yeah. Uh, again, not to get too conspiratorial, but that's <laughs> there's a reason pharmaceutical companies are worth what they're worth. Oh, yeah. There, there is a reason. They're, they're living off
0: your depression. Yeah. And as you're as you're as the as product,
2: bed. not their pills. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. and, and that's the problem. They want to continue to produce their product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, like, there is certainly an issue there, and mental health professionals have certainly gone along with this. We we see this with the LGBT question as well, where they have just wholesale abandoned scientific data, evidence, common sense in many yeah. cases. And you will find you'll find states and entire countries now that they've criminalized going against patients' opinions. Or or, or to where like if a doctor says, no, no, you are just deceived by your own brain, that doctor will lose their license. Wow. Like that is a common practice in many cases. So if you come in and you say, you bring your 14-year-old daughter and she says, I feel like a boy, you can't Uh, say no. uh, (laughs) And we've encountered the same problem with the mental health field as well to where whatever you say tends to fly. So self-diagnoses get stamped by medical professionals a lot, Jeez. which is not not good. Medical mm-hmm. professionals are supposed to be the ones who say no to you. Yeah,
0: because they're, <laughs> yeah, they're the professional, right? Yes, like <laughs> they're the ones who are supposed
2: to say, maybe it's, situa- have you worked out? Yeah. Have you left your room? Do you have friends? Are you part of a community? Do you believe in any highest good at all for your life? Are you going anywhere? Asking questions that they, they historically have asked which are oftentimes the things which empower depression and anxiety. And that's often the questions I I wanna ask is like, Mm -hmm. who, who are you talking to? Are you, honestly, so much of my ministry nowadays is just trying to get people to sleep through the night, have a bedtime and wake up at a normal time because so much of depression is simulated off of not sleeping at night, not eating enough meals, not working out, not talking to people, Spending all their time staring at screens, mm-hmm. like if I could eliminate those problems, we would we we'd probably see depression drop to ten percent in society. Oh, and, like we and everyone kind of knows this.
0: Oh well, <laughs> and there's such a desire for that too. Me and Mark were talking about this uh, couple, like an hour, hour or so earlier, where it's like we want to. There, there. I think there's a there's a desire in all uh, young adults right now where it's like we know that our phones are ki- are killing us. Yeah. So like it's like we <laughs> we know this, but it's like we're we're so addicted to it. But it's like there's so many products are company out where it's like like you called it what the, the dumb phone the or, dumb phone yeah, yeah yeah where it's like it's just simplified back to text message call that's it yeah I, you know? I have several
2: friends who have the light phone that's awesome oh that's it, the light it, phone yes. yeah it's it, it, it's a brick it's still it's like pixelate it looks like an MS-DOS <laughs> screen <laughs> you're awesome. scrolling through it and <laughs> Nokia. I, I've come up with every justification why I can't use that right right
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and that's oh.
2: and, and part of it is I, I really am hooked to many of the features and many of those features have kept me tied into other more harmful things. Mm-hmm. Uh like for example, I I I'm a I'm a Spotify guy. Mm. I, I actually my most used uh app on my phone is notes. I because I just it's like the extension of my frontal lobe. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, I like I think I have an average <laughs> usage of like an hour a day because I just keep it open. I use it so much. Yeah. And so I I have found reasons, but there's this thing that exists. Called a notebook, but like, so
0: much effort, Mac. It's so much effort. It's so much out. effort. I,
2: I I tell myself as I yeah pay a ridiculously high phone <laughs> bill again. Yeah. It's the other thing. Light phones are really cheap, mm-hmm. um, and so like I constantly I, I wrestle with this. We all mm-hmm. wrestle with this. We know the problems. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you, you take those things away, there's still 10% of the society that has depression. Oh, yeah. Because their brains are broke. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what it does. Yeah. Like, and they're never, they, they could go through all those things. They could work out the five times a day, eat perfect paleo diet or whatever, and still potentially succumb to depression every day of their life mm-hmm. because that's what the the biological reality is. Mm-hmm. And so to the initial question, as I'm working with students, I'm trying to narrow, are we dealing with a simulated reality or an actual biological reality? That's good. I'm not a diagnostician. I am never going to give you a diagnosis. For sure. Mm. Because I'm a pastor. (laughs) That's not my freaking job. Uh, That that needs to come from a psychiatrist or or, or a a qualified counselor who is certified in in the right – capacity to be able to diagnose you
3: Hmm.
2: if your diagnosis hasn't come from one of them it's not legit Mm -hmm. if it's come from tiktok i don't care how many symptoms you check the box off you might be you might be putting that on you might be masquerading that Hmm. you need to actually talk to a medical professional if you suspect you have that with the caveat of you need to seek out wise counsel to find a medical professional who wants to you know medicine Mm. and not just promote a social agenda, which thankfully in the the Texas panhandle, I can tell you who most of those people are. We've had a lot of trial and error and, and it took a lot of like talking to other churches, talking to leaders of like who's not a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's gonna be hard. <laughs> well,
0: and especially in, in a like we're in a not we're not in a small town, but we're not you know major like Dallas. Uh, but like no. in areas like this, it's kind of it is we, you are we, you are limited to your options and in, in health yeah. health yeah. here.
2: But we but we have the benefit of knowing that's true. We we are knowing true. people. That's there, good. I think last time I looked, there was like 160 something certified counselors in wow. the Texas Panhandle. Wow, and of the people that I know of pe- listening to people's experience and co- – like there's like a solid eight people I would recommend solidly and consistently to people because I know that they are trustworthy. There's probably a 100 people on that list I know nothing about, uh, particularly people who are involved internally in organizations. But it's hard to be able to figure out what, what ideology they're working with. Mm-hmm. But the – uh there's probably there's so many people there's probably 40 people i have encountered either personally or through other organizations or through uh people at redeemer or other churches experience where i've heard the most insane things spouted from them just absolutely affirming the worst things mm. i i i actively like i there are people medical professionals i know who i consider personally responsible for pushing people towards suicide, towards other realities, Ooh. because they do not actually do medicine. do They don't confront the things they need to confront. They don't encourage the things they need to encourage. They are so set on pushing an agenda. Jeez. And, and that's one of the biggest problems that's with the medical uh, field. Yeah. That's one of the things that we encounter across the whole strata of the medical field is a bunch of... Biased professionals because the the conservatives the christians the 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 more rational completely abandoned education counseling social sciences forty years ago in academia, mm. we lost, and so now every elementary school teacher and counselor that you find in the program now is being influenced predominantly through a non-Christian, liberal, w- leftist worldview. Mm. You're getting every elementary school teacher being told boys can be girls and
1: you are your depression. <laughs> mm. So in light of like what you were just saying, like, are there any, uh, I would say like specific Christian resources or organizations that you would recommend? And how do you think Christians should approach these resources?
2: Oh yeah. Here, let me, here. here's my number one recommendation a gospel preaching local church. Hey, yeah. There you go. Good. Good. That that's number one. Like you, particularly one that emphasizes participation in worship and community, because they they can preach the gospel and not give two craps about you too. Yeah. Like that's I, true. I, I'm looking at you OPC. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, <wait> <laughs> uh, but in general, the we have to be able to live life together with other people to hold us accountable, to bear our burdens, to love us, to to support us, to confront us, to challenge us. If there are not people preaching and living the gospel with us, we, we are not going to find any hope. We are not going to find what we need, because what we need is Jesus. Amen. That's good. Um, but beyond that, the I would advise people ask your pastor if your pastor doesn't know ask a respected person in your community find a good counselor it doesn't have to be a biblical counselor biblical counselors in fact sometimes are are so separated from the medical field that they're actually they actually can be harmful to people mm-hmm. who have medical problems and so but that being said biblical counselors christian counselors which are different have a leaning towards a a a healthy Christian worldview. And there are many. There there are many. Every community has some. A good LPC who is a Christian, or, or a, a good counselor who is a Christian is a valuable, it's a proverbially good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I would highly advise to anybody who struggles to seek that out. Mm. In the community, Compass Rose has several really, really good ones in in the Texas Panhandle. There, there are many others whom I would recommend. I, I'm, you can email me at mac m a c k at RedeemerChristianChurch.com. Let's go. If you go. have <laughs> questions, I will give you the hookups. That's awesome. Um, if you are isolated, more rural, uh, there are some resources through like the Gospel Coalition through some of the larger organizations that will. Pipeline you. Uh, there, there's not, to my knowledge, a, a healthy equivalent of like a better help for Christians yet. Uh, great business idea for y'all whenever mm. you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> At some no point. Uh, yeah. there, there, such a thing might exist, but I am not aware of it. Mm. Uh, however, I would strongly, strongly recommend you read Martin Lloyd Jones, you read Charles Spurgeon, you read J.I. Packer. Hmm. Read Christians who have struggled with this. Yeah. Uh there, there there's a book uh called Spiritual Depression by Martin Lloyd Jones. I think it is it's just a c- collection of sermons. It'll meet you in ways you never thought you could be on this one. Uh the Depression, Anxiety in the Christian Life by Richard Baxter and J.I. Packer would strongly recommend. Uh, read the Psalms. Yeah. The psalms are
3: full oh, of
2: emotion. I, I mentioned earlier Psalm 102, Psalm 130, Psalm Psalm 42, Psalm 46, Psalm 51. It's been the air I've breathed at some of my lowest moments. Memorize them also. Mm. This is the navigator in me. <laughs> it, it, you don't always have a physical Bible with you, but that doesn't mean you can't have the word of God with you. Yeah. yeah. Eat it, swallow it, digest it, become it. <laughs> You you will find comforts in the spirit that you never knew if you memorize the spirit's words and let them sit on your heart. That's true. That's facts. That's good.
0: So you have anything? No, just you know, just to add on that. Like you said, just in looking through the scriptures, like I'm glad you brought up like Psalm 42, like Psalm 42:5. Why, why, why my soul are 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 you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I, I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. You know, and Amen. it's just it's so it's so crazy how I think there's a lot of times, especially to uh, unbelievers and believers, uh, where it's the Bible so intimidating. And you think that it will not relate to you, that yeah. it's not, uh, it, there, I think, I don't know. It's like, uh, you're, it's not necessarily all, it's not a history book. There's, it's, it can be, po- it can be poetry like, like, like this, you know, where it's yeah. like, it is, it is taught like real people talking about what is happening with, with, within them. And even, even Jesus in the garden, uh, uh, uh mm-hmm. garden of Gethsemane, yeah. you know, uh, where it says, is it Matthew 26. Yeah. He like, uh, was anxious. Yes. Yes. Just yes. He was blood. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. Exa- exactly. Uh, exactly. On the cross, he quotes Psalm twenty-two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Why, oh, yeah. Man. Why? Why, God? Why? oh, Why you have yeah. forsaken mm-hmm. me? Yeah. And we see, like, many times that is where Christ went to to express his his feelings because they are they're almost just raw spiritual, mental, emotion encapsulated. Yeah. And there's something that they say that we can't sometimes. That, yep. that there's that verse that talks about like the spirit speaking words on our behalf. Yeah. And in, in many ways I I think we overlook just how much that is true of scripture specifically. The spirit's words which he has spoken. Amen. Like we're we're, we're not like in our depression going ah, ah, and like <laughs> <laughs> God like maybe there's times where that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what we're looking at when we look at that passage is something more along the lines of like, what does it look like to pray the words that scriptures prayed when you don't have any words of your own? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What does it look like to... And that's not like... There are times I would advise you go to just other saints' prayers. Mm -hmm. There's so many. Thomas Kempis, the Catholic theologian, uh, St. Augustine, uh, St. Saint Athanasius, St. John Chrysostom, if you're looking at the like some of the more classic Catholic, mm-hmm. Protestants have the Valley of Vision, the Book of Common Prayer.
1: Prayer. Amen. There, there's helped.
2: There's so many prayers written there for those who, who just don't have words, who just don't know what to say, don't know what to do, I, that I was so strongly advised. There's also a modern author by the name of Douglas McKelvey. Who writes these? Who has written these books called uh, "Every Moment Holy"? That I have taken his prayer book, his second volume of that, to me with almost every visit I've done to the hospital for several years now, because Mm -hmm. he says what I feel. (laughs) And God has gifted some poets in that way, some some authors to be able to say what we lack the ability to say in it is so meaningful in a moment to just pray
1: that when all i want to do is just cry
3: <laughs> yeah
1: that's true they help out especially the book of common prayer i didn't mm. realize how much helpful that it, that was it's like a cheat mm. code it is it really <laughs> is a cheat code for bible devotionals that's like yeah yeah for, for
2: those who are old enough like me to remember when you would go to walmart to buy the video game and the guidebook. <laughs> let's go. The, like the book of common prayer is almost like the the, the guidebook of like, That's all right, now that you believe the gospel, he, like let, let's walk through it and apply it together. <laughs> yeah. it, it's such, like Anglicans like hacked the
1: system a long time ago. Rad. Just so rad. <laughs> No way ahead of their time.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, well, so yeah, Max, so one last thing, um, and this is something that we want to practice throughout the whole Uh, duration of our podcast, but like, can you preach the gospel to those that are hurting, to those Christians that are saying, I am not okay, but I'm a Christian. Um, Can you tell the gospel and remind them of the gospel? Oh, absolutely. I
2: I would love to. The thing that I would say is you're not okay. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Your your imposter syndrome is true. You're not enough, but that's exactly what Jesus has offered us hope for. He, he looks at you and he says, yes, your works are not enough. Yes, you're not capable of making all things new. Yes, you are your best works, your righteousness, Isaiah 64 says, are, are like filthy rags. But Jesus has offered us his righteousness. Mm. He has offered us his mission his purpose, His life, His right standing with God. And when we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe that He raised from the dead, we have the power of the Spirit to apply those things to us to be truer than any truth we could possibly believe of ourselves. Like that, that, that is the gospel for the, the broken, that you, you are broken, but in Christ you are made whole. If you want a picture for this, (laughs) there's a Japanese art form called kintsugi. I would strongly advise that you check it out. It it is the art of taking clay pots and smashing them and then fusing them back together with molten gold. Wow. That is what redemption looks like for us. Mm -hmm. You you are broken and yet you're more beautiful for it. You are more whole for it. You are more complete for it because your brokenness is a picture of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I boast in my weakness. All the more I boast in my weakness. Why? Because in my weakness, Christ's strength is made complete, made perfect. Not in your strength, not in your doing everything right, not in your being okay, but in your weakness Mm
3: -hmm.
2: is where Christ's strength is made complete. And so embrace dependency, embrace community, embrace the gospel. Because in it you will find life and hope,
1: which you will find nowhere else. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank Man, you, Mac. Thank that you is, so much, Mac. Yeah, we need we <laughs> we need to be reminded of that and be like every what day. Mac is saying, please be planted on a Bible believing, gospel centered church. Yes, sir. Because aside from like all professional helps, like having the gospel preached to you every week or maybe even every day with your community. Yeah. It helps. Best case scenario. Yes best case scenario and you get it for free so yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Mac um, we usually do the prayer the, the, we, we usually do uh, I mean have the host do the prayer but do you mind have the prayer uh, uh, and a and closing prayer I don't mind
2: at all I, I, I will say dear Heavenly Father God you are good even in the midst of the darkness and the brokenness and the foolishness of our world you are wise you are our life and our light you are our breath and our everything Lord and so we, we pray for those who do not yet feel that peace, that comfort. We know, Lord, that the hope of the gospel means nothing to those who don't believe it. So to those who are in anguish, who are in pain or in brokenness and do not yet know the gospel, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move upon them, yes, that they would believe in Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offering life to them, that they would embrace that life and live in it. For those who are far off and anxious and toiling or alone, Draw near to them and draw them near to you. In the power of your spirit, I pray these things over those in our community and those those who who are around the world who do not know your hope. I pray for us, Lord, that you would make us vessels of your mercy and your grace to the broken and to the lost and that you would empower us by the spirit to go and make great the name of Jesus Christ in the darkest corners our eyes can see. I pray this in the name of Jesus and the power of the spirit. Amen. Amen. amen, amen, amen. Thank you so Thank much, you Mac. So much, Thank, Thank you y'all.
1: for uh, ha- being on the podcast and uh, um shedding some light on the sensitivity of this topic. Yes. And um and one more time, can you tell the listeners what what's, what your email is? Yes, please email me at Mac.
2: M-A-C-K at RedeemerChristian dot com. Thank you. Sir. You can find you can
1: find it on the website. I'm
2: wearing a lame beanie in the picture. It's great. Yes. <laughs> <Brad>.
1: Yes. <laughs> or we'll just put it in the description and then people can yeah. see it. So um, but yeah, thank you so much. So, Joe, do you want to close us out?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Mac, thank you so much again just for for being on here. Uh, thank you to all our listeners for listening in. If you have any uh questions, suggestions, or corrections, you can email us at I'm plenty of mark. You get,
1: you, get you get it, you get it. You get it, you get it. What? Or the, what the the email? But you get the email. You get, I get. The, what? I don't know the email. You don't know the email. Oh I my god! So I was you. <laughs> it's it's a catch up podcast twenty twenty three at gmail dot com or in light of this topic, go to uh send emails to Mac at RedeemerChristianChurch dot com. Send all of them. Send Woo. all of them. Any theological questions as well, because <laughs> there are some questions that we cannot answer, but um, but Mac is equipped for that. So, but yeah. The deep ones. And yeah. if, it's, if it's about the end times yeah. or... Only the spiciest, please. Spa- yeah. <laughs> spiciest. Which, by the <laughs> way, speaking of the end times, we're going to have Mac over at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about the end times. Yep. And gonna- I will tell you when the world will end. There you go. Just kidding. He's I'm not a answer. heretic. Oh no, not the. Da- oh man. <laughs> <laughs> just tell us the date <laughs> so that we can be prepared to be raptured. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just have to like go look at some cereal boxes and figure out the code. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go.
0: There you go. All right, joe go All ahead. right. Well, that's it. And thank you again for listening to Catch Up Podcast. We will talk to you later. All right. Thanks for catching up with us on The Catch-Up Podcast. If you enjoyed our God-centered conversations, share the love by sharing this on your social media or leave a review. Don't forget to tune in next week for more uplifting chats. Until then, we will see you on the next episode of The Catch-Up Podcast.